1, beginning in verse number 17, if you're able to stand, thank you again for the opportunity. That may be a little loud, I don't know if, if, if it is, I'm, I kind of get a little loud here in a little bit, so you do as you need to. Thank you again for being here. If you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 17, would you say amen? amen. Three of you, praise God, we'll get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's try that again. If you're in 1 Corinthians 1, 17, would you say amen? amen. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us. And that's what I'm interested in tonight. But unto us, which are saved, it is the power of God. I want you to think about that little phrase, but unto us. How many of you know that one man's junk is another man's treasure? true, isn't it? Did you know the world thinks about what you're doing tonight, coming to a church like this and, and hearing preaching and being around folk and believing what you believe? And I, evidently, it is evident by what, you see, what I see here, you believe in standards, you believe in good godly music, and you believe the old-fashioned way. Praise God for that. But did you know the world thinks that we are crazy for doing this? But unto us, it's precious, isn't it? Can I tell you something before we pray? Listen to this. The world does not care about the purity of your life. They'll chew you up, spit you out, wring you out like a rag. They don't care about you. But unto you, but unto us. The purity of our life is precious. I want you to see what Paul says about that phrase, but unto us. Father, I pray that you'd please help me to be a blessing tonight. Lord God, I pray that you'd speak to every heart. I pray that you'd do what I cannot do. Change our lives to bring honor to thee. Stir us up. I do pray that you would help those who are far away from you that are saved to come close to thee tonight. I pray, God, for those who are lost that they'd be saved. I thank you for the opportunity to preach here and behind this sacred desk. I don't deserve it, and you and I both know that, and I, I'm honored to be here, and I pray you'd help me not to waste your people's time. I love you, Lord. I thank you for my wife and my children. I pray you bless them and guard them, protect them, be a shield to them, and a song of deliverance to them tonight. We love you. We thank you for loving us. Meet with us, please, God. I know if you do not manifest yourself, all is in vain. God, I know that you're always with us, but it sure is precious when you manifest yourself. I pray you'd help us tonight. Lead us and guide us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Paul is writing to a church that is in, has had some trouble. In fact, the Scriptures tell us about their trouble. He begins by telling them that he's excited about the gifts that they have and how God has blessed them and God is faithful and God has provided for them and he's thankful for their fellowship, but he has to deal with some problems in this book. Uh, for instance, uh, they're partial. Some say, well, I'm of a Paul and, and, I'm of, and others say, well, I'm of Apollos. And, and they were battling this matter of the, who, which preacher they like the best. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, they were also elevating human wisdom over God's wisdom. 
And because of that, Paul said, look here, the wisdom that we need to the world is foolishness, but to us, we understand that it's from God and it's special. And Paul says, first of all, if you look at this passage of Scripture, in verse number 18, he says, for we preach, uh, for, we, uh, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, and here's the word foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I want to tell you, first of all, that the cross is foolishness to the world, but unto us, it is the power of God. I'm glad that God allowed me to hear about the old rugged cross. I'm glad to know tonight that God allowed Jesus Christ, His own dear Son, to bleed and die on that cross so that you and I might be set free. Thank God for the old rugged cross. You see, the world mocks it, and and here's what they do. Several years ago, they took a... In New York City, there was a museum there, and, and uh, they took urine and dipped the cross in urine and called it art. Listen, that's not art, that's blasphemy. Ladies and gentlemen, the cross of Christ is a special place. It is a precious place. It is a wonderful place. It is the place where God ex- uh, allowed us to be saved. Without the cross, there is no salvation. You do not have a crossless Christianity. You cannot be saved without the cross. And I'm saying to you, it is the power of God this evening. The Word of God says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Hey, that old rugged cross is a place where we can be saved. It is the place where we can be changed. Our lives are transformed forever. Thank God for the old rugged cross. Years ago, the writer of that song, The Old Rugged Cross, was in Michigan, and while he was preaching, he preached to a bunch of young people. They were, they were mocking him. They wouldn't listen to him while he preached, and he was bothered by it. He was concerned about it. And so he went to back to his room, began to write these words about how the old rugged cross and how he would cherish the old rugged cross. And may, may I say to you that the only hope that every generation has ever had is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's time that we recognize that every day we ought to go back to the cross and say, thank you, God, for allowing Jesus to take those spikes into His hands and to His feet. And thank you, God, for allowing Jesus to have our sin. Listen, He bore our sin on the cross. Past, present, future. God laid it on Jesus and He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. My friends, thank God for the old rugged cross. To the Greeks, the Bible says, if you look at verse number 23, it says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and of the Greeks' foolishness. To the Greeks, they thought it was foolishness how crazy it is that they would believe that somebody from heaven would come, be born of a virgin, and live a sinless life, and go to the cross, and, and die for the sins of the world, and God somehow taking all of our sin and laying it on Him. And that's foolishness to them. Isn't it interesting that the people that think that we're crazy because we believe that God told Noah to build an ark, and we believe that Moses uh, uh, smote the waters, and they, they, crawled, they, they opened up, and the children of Israel walked on dry ground. Isn't it interesting that those those people that think we're crazy because we believe manna came down from heaven and we believe that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and the billy goat. I'm just checking to see if you're listening. Uh, they think we're crazy because we believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked uh, in the fiery furnace. And the Bible says that, that Nebuchadnezzar saw one like unto the Son of God. I'm saying to you, they think we're crazy because we believe Peter walked on water and Jesus fed the multitudes and uh, called Lazarus out of the tomb. They think we're crazy because all the miracles... They think we're crazy because we believe Jesus is coming back again. One day the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. They think we're crazy for that. And the same crowd that thinks we're crazy is looking for aliens. (laughs) 
Who's the nut? I'm simply trying to tell you something. I thank God for the old rugged cross. And my friend, it doesn't matter how educated you are. I'm for education. I think if you can read a book and become a better person, that's fine. But don't leave God out of that. Say amen. The truth of the matter is the child of God is changed by the Spirit of God from the inside out. And that's how He works. But I'm glad if someone wants to get an education, I'm for it. I have an education. Believe it or not, I've got a master's degree. I've got a doctor's degree. It came in a Cracker Jack box, but I got it and put it on my wall. The sticks on my wall like a fathead sticker. I'm thankful for it. But the truth of the matter is, my education won't get me to heaven. Come on, say amen. And my degrees won't get me to heaven. And my, my, uh, uh, my intellect will not get me to heaven. And I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, everybody that ever goes to heaven, doesn't matter how smart you are, how ignorant you are, you must bow the knee at the old rugged cross and you must be saved. It's the power of God, Paul said. Thank God for that cross. And when you go to somebody's door and you knock on their door and invite them to church... And they begin to talk to you about this or that and the other. The truth is, get, get them to the cross as quickly as you can. Because listen, your political views, good or bad, they won't help them. Come on, say amen. Your job won't help them. And what you drive won't help them. And what neighborhood you live in or what kind of shoes you wear, none of that's going to help them. They've got to be born again. And the only way they get saved is to come to the old rugged cross. Now to the Jew, it was foolish. It was a stumbling box. How could God send His own Son? How could God allow His dear Son to come to the earth? How could this be Messiah? For He's dead. They're a bloody pulp they beat Him to. How could this possibly be the Messiah? He was a stumbling block to them. But I want you to know, thank God, that the, the Jews were allowed to be saved too. Everybody, all that come to Jesus, He will in no wise cast out. I'm simply saying, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart was rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Thank God for the old rugged cross. It's the power of God. My friend, secondly, I want to say this to you. The Bible is foolishness to the world, but unto us, it's our instruction manual. Yes. Amen. This is how we live. It's inerrant. It's, it has no, foul, uh, no fallibility in it. it there's no, no flaws in it. There's no error in it. My dear friend, may I say to you that we have the absolute Word of God. And by the way, thank God we have it in our language. Thank God we have an opportunity to be able to read the Word of God. And when the preacher stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord, he doesn't say, The Lord may have said it. No, my dear friend, God said it right here in His book and we can believe that book. It's our instruction manual. It'll tell you if you're married. It'll tell you how to run your marriage. If you have children, it'll tell you how to raise your children. If you're a young person, it'll tell you how to honor your parents and do right and live long upon the earth. If you have a business, it'll tell you how to run your business. If you're a child of God, if you're doing something for the Lord, it'll tell you how to be a good servant. I'm simply trying to say, this book is our instruction manual. This old book will never change, by the way. Let me just tell you this to all the critics. This book was here when you got here, and it'll be here when you're gone. The the Word of God is settled in heaven. Somebody, you may not agree with this, and preacher, you can correct me if I need to be corrected, but I believe in mechanical dictation. I believe God said, write it down, and they wrote it down. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed that these are God's words. When I stand up and say, this is what God said, I'm not saying, this is what man said, this is what God Almighty said. Praise God for that wonderful truth. And I'm telling you, it never changes. All kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but it never changes. Uh, People come and people go and people live and people die. Presidents rise and presidents fall and nations rise and fall. But the Word of God endures forever. 
I heard just recently as I was reading in 2014, a massive rock slide in New Zealand took the Mount Cook, it's called Mount Cook, took it down 98 feet from 12,316 feet to 12,218 feet. 98 feet it took it down. They tell us in 2015, on April 29th, they took a picture of uh, Mount Everest and they scientists believe that that mountain has moved. It's actually shrunk about 2.5 centimeters, which is about an inch. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the world may shift and change and the things that we think are solid here upon this earth may move, but there's one thing that will never change. Listen, rocks may fall and earthquakes may take place and, and hurricanes may come through and knock everything down, but it will never change this wonderful book. Thank God for the Word of God. Listen, I've given my life to preach this book. I've given my life to tell people about this book. I've given my life to share it with other people. I better believe it. Come on, say amen. 241 years ago or so, the United States was born. And from our shores, we have shipped more Bibles and more tracts around the world than any person in the world. We're still alive. I know America has its troubles. And I know America has its problems. And I know America has its issues. But thank God that we live in the land of preachers. And thank God we live in the land of Bibles. And thank God we live in a land where somebody will stand up on a Sunday morning and preach the Word of God to people. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 16, the Bible says, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul said, it's like this, you take a, take a torch and you walk into a dark cave or a dark dungeon and light begins to illuminate that area, which was dark for a long, long time. And perhaps little animals scurry and bugs scurry. But what it does is it illuminates the darkness. And may I say to you, on your job, in your neighborhood, around the world, people need somebody to hold forth the word of life and tell people about God. Say amen to that. John 6, verse number 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What a book we have, amen. Somebody told me this book's boring. Well, my dear friend, you're just not reading it. That's, this book's amazing. In this book, it tells us about creation. In six days, God created the heavens and the earth. And in five words, He made the universe. He made the stars also. Wow. This book tells us about the fall of man and the the way of salvation. This book tells us about the rise and fall of different nations. In this book, donkeys talk, giants are slain, and men walk on in fire. In this book, a nation is preserved, a Savior is predicted, and a place is promised. In this book, people walk on water, multitudes are fed, and the future is planned. What a book we have to the world. They mock it. Why would you even spend time in the old book? I'm going to tell you why. Because it's a life-changing book. Amen. Praise God for it. I have in my possession at home, I have a Bible that's my father's Bible. My daddy was a preacher. He, he uh, preached uh, back, I guess, uh, back in the 70s and 80s, whatever it would have been. He died when I was 10 years of age. He had a brain tumor. My dad, before all of that, he was a well, cap- very capable man, went to work, took care of his family, did all that kind of thing, but he would preach. And I have a Bible. I have his old Bible. And every once in a while I'll thumb through and I'll see he, re- he wrote notes in the Bible about what God spoke to him about. Listen, that book was precious to him. This book's precious to me. I thank God for the Word of God. Thirdly, I want to say this to you. The Holy Spirit of God is foolishness to the world, but unto us, He's our companion. He's our companion. John 14, take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14, would you please? 
And God allows us to get inside the upper room and we hear that discourse as God, His own Son, begins to speak to His disciples about what He's doing, where He's going, and all the things that are going on. And that their hearts are troubled. And He would say twice, let not your heart be troubled. And He would begin to speak about another person that would come in His stead. In John chapter 14, look in verse number 16. He said, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter. Notice that please, another comforter. Watch this. Another comforter. What that means is, watch this, one of the same. Not something brand new, one of the same. Did you know God is God and God the Son is God and God the Holy Spirit is God? It is inaccurate to say there are three levels. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One, two, three. That is inaccurate. God the Father is just as much God as God the Son. And God the Son is just as much God as God the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't say something brand new that's never existed before. He said one of the same, another comforter. He didn't say a different comforter. He said another comforter. And by the way, listen, they were comforted by him. And I believe they trusted in him. And I believe that they, they felt protected while he was there. My dear friend, I want you to know the same one that was comforting them is the same one that comforts you tonight. You go into a, a doctor's office and you wonder, do you have uh, arthritis or do you have a burden or do you have to have cataract surgery or you're going to have to have this or you, you're going to have to have your knee replaced or whatever the may, case may be or do you have cancer or do you have the diabetes or whatever it is you, you might be battling with and you're not sure what's going to happen and you say, I feel all alone. If you're saved this evening, I want you to know you're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You go into the surgery room, you feel like you're all alone and people you don't even know begin to pick and, and poke at you and try to get your blood and all this kind of thing. But I want you to know you're not alone. Amen. Amen. He's with you. He's our companion in the midst of the difficult hours. I'll tell you this. Notice if you would please. In verse number 17, he said, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. John chapter 15, verse number 26. But when the Comforter is come... Isn't that great that He didn't... Watch this now. He didn't say, when the commanders come. Oh, I believe the Holy Spirit gives us commands. I believe that. And they always line up with the Bible. Amen. If someone ever tells you God said something to them, if it doesn't line up with the Bible, God didn't say it. He doesn't contradict His Word. Come on, say it, man. His Word's settled. And I want to tell you this. He says, when the comforter is come, not the commander, the comforter is come. Why? They needed that. And by the way, he is a comforter in the midst of the time when you think that the uncertainties of life have overtaken you and overshadowed you. He's still the comforter. Listen, when my father died when I was a 10 year, boy, year old boy, I got saved when I was seven. The Spirit of God was there with us that day. He didn't leave us. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have a wonderful Savior who would be willing to do this for us. Thank God for the Comforter. Amen. Amen. The Comforter, even the Spirit of truth, He said, which proceedeth from the Father, He shall testify of Me. And let me just say this to you. You know what the Spirit of God is doing in this world? He's talking about Jesus. That's what He's doing. The apostles were given promises that the Holy Spirit would come. and They would need that power so they could be a witness for Christ and live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit, what a comforter He is. Do you remember, come on, come on, think about this. Do you remember those times? How many have been saved more than, been saved more than a year? Would you raise your hand? Amen. Many of you, praise God. Maybe some of you just got saved. Praise God for that. But do you remember those times in your life when you were closer to the Lord than what you are now? Can I ask you a question? Who moved? 
I heard the story about an old man driving down the road with his wife. And, and uh, he's driving down the road, and they're old folk. They've been married for 14,000 years. and That's what he thought. But anyway... <laughs> They've been driving. He's driving down the road, and he, she said, Honey, you remember years ago, I used to snuggle right up next to you when we'd drive down the road. Of course, you can't do that now because uh, all the devils put something in between there, and you can't get to your honey. Come on, say amen. I'm talking about your married honey. Come on, say amen to that too. He just driving down the road, and he, she said, You know, we don't do that anymore. He said, She said to him, You know, honey, you used to, I used to nibble on your ear when you'd drive. Remember all that? And you'd put your arm around me, and you'd... And you'd tickle my side. You remember all that? These are married people. And he said, yeah, I remember that. She said, honey, we don't do that anymore. The old man just had his hands on the wheel, paused for a moment and said, I haven't moved. If you're not close to God tonight, God didn't move. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And may I say to you that the same Spirit of God who worked in your heart years ago and when you came to church and you heard the preacher preach and you wept and you said, man, I don't want people to see me weep, but man, I can't help it. It's so good. And you heard that choir. What a choir. Praise God for that. Trust me, I don't hear that every week. Places I go, you wonder why they're singing. Don't say amen now. Better off doing a little karaoke. I'm just saying, man, it's not good. But remember when you were excited about church and you used to come to the altar and you'd pray and sometimes you'd be so excited about what you heard and sometimes you'd be so excited about what the preacher preached. You didn't even know why you came to the altar. You just knew you needed to go to the altar and you'd get on your knees and you'd say, Oh God, do this work in my life and change me for the glory of God. You remember you'd get up in the morning and you'd get on your knees and you'd say, God, this book is precious. I don't understand it all, but I believe it's true. And I don't, a lot of them don't make any sense to me, but I believe it. God, speak to my heart and help me today. And God would begin to work in your heart and the Bible would be precious to you and it'd come alive to you and the stories would blossom out of that Bible like flowers in your garden and you'd say to yourself, wow, what a moment with God. Hey, listen, God hadn't moved. The same Spirit of God that used to do that for you still wants to do that today. Number four, let me say this to you. Heaven's foolishness to this world But to us, it's our eternal home. Paul said, but unto us. See, the world thinks everything that's Christianity is foolishness and fallible and ignorant. I was listening to the radio on the way. Good preaching there, brother. I was listening to the radio on the way here, and I stopped by a little radio station that they were talking about. This lady speaks to spirits on the other side. And she was talking about how that these spirits manifest themselves. Of course, you and I both know that's witchcraft. That's just inviting the devil in. Come on, say amen. You know that to be true. And I believe 99% of that stuff is false prophets anyway. They're just being phony. But it doesn't matter. Listen, let me tell you something. I'm not trying to be unkind to you. But if you're hearing voices and all that kind of stuff, listen, there's only one voice you need to listen to, and that's the Spirit of God in your life. God will honor His Word and, 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 and honor you when you honor His Word. And the world thinks that there's no such thing as heaven, there's no such thing as hell. Would you listen to me very carefully? If you're not saved this evening, seconds after you die, you'll believe everything you've ever heard about hell. You'll believe all of it. 
The Bible says that the rich man died. He was cast in the lake uh, into, into hell. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus with me, dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Did you know God used the word torment? Tormented. The other day, I was in the print shop at the, at the church, and I was helping them get them Bibles. You, we, we saw all those videos about these Bibles. By the way, that, pre- that missionary was talking about them 3,000 Bibles going to Cuba. That's what we got them there. They're gone. They're heading to Cuba. I was helping them, and they have a, gl- a table where they, they, I don't know what they do. I was just trying to help them. But they put these Bibles together, and they glue the backsides of these Bibles. And I picked it up wrong, and the glue spilled all over my hand. That's hot glue. I had, I'm talking about, you know, I went to the preacher and I said, I want workers' comp for this. Amen. It's burned. I had blisters here and I had a blister there. It's getting better now. If you want to see my boo-boo after church, you can see it. I tried to milk it with my wife. She said, are you dead? I said, no. She said, did you get your finger cut off? No. Well, then move on with life, you know. She's so good to me. Just keep cooking, Amen. <laughs> So, man, she, I, I, I burnt my finger pretty good. I had a big old blister here and a big old blister here. Of course, you know, I walked around church, you know, hey, how's everybody doing? Is everybody okay? <laughs> Took a picture, put it on the big screen. You know what I'm saying. Come on now, talk to me. <laughs> well, anyway, so I was, I burnt, and I thought, man, that burned, and it hurt. And there were people all around me, so I couldn't cry mommy. But it hurt. It really did. Come on, say all or something. Thank you. Thank you, smart Alex. <laughs> it hurt. And then I thought about this. I thought, man, it went away. I'm, I thought about hell. That pain won't ever go away. Now, preacher, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this. I believe that they will be taken out of hell and they'll stand, everyone that's lost will stand before the great white throne judgment. And when they stand there, no wonder the Bible says that they're cast into the lake of fire because I personally believe that they'll be screaming and hanging on to whatever is going to cast them in the fire. Maybe it's angels, maybe it's you. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's Christ Himself or God. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say and you don't know either. But I do know this, the Bible says they're cast into the lake of fire. Can you imagine if they hang on to that angelic being? Please don't send me there. Please don't send me there. As they've already dealt with the pain of hell and now the lake of fire. Do you think all of this is a joke? People that you know are going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved. God help me. To understand this, I know it's not the greatest motivation to be a witness. The greatest motivation is my love for Christ. But it certainly is a motivation when I think about people going to go to hell. God help us. But unto us, see, here's the difference. If you're saved this evening, would you say amen? amen? If you're saved, heaven is your eternal home. Heaven is your eternal home. I'm not going. There's a group came to our church, Morrison Sisters, and they sang this song called I'm Not Going to Hell. I like it. How many know you're not going to hell? Amen. I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm good, by the way, because none of us are good. 
Turn your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 21. Let's read about that new place. I, this, is, this is after the tribulation and all that's happened, and God brings a, a new heaven, new earth together here, and the Bible tells us about Jerusalem coming down, this new Jerusalem, and it's the place where we'll be. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, you've got to see this. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy Jerusalem, the new... Uh, excuse me, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice from uh, out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Won't that be a great day? And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat Upon the throne. That's God Almighty. Excuse me now. You preacher, correct me if I'm wrong on this. But I believe that the only time that we see God standing is when Stephen was stoned. Do you know why he sits upon his throne in the midst of hurricanes and earthquakes and battles and troubles and crises and cancer? Do you know why he sits upon the throne? Because nothing ever surprises him and nothing ever shocks him. He's still on his throne. I can't say it. I got I to gotta just say this. When King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was still on the throne when there was no king on the earth. There was a king in heaven. Amen. Keep on going. He said, in verse number five, he said, and he that sat upon the throne, he said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Ladies and gentlemen, I just read to you about our wonderful home. But the only way you get there is through Jesus. I heard a story about a a teacher that was teaching five-year-old boys in a Sunday school class and he was teaching about heaven. He was trying to tell them how Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again and they have to recognize their sinners before God and they have to turn to Jesus and and ask Him to forgive them and to save them. He was going through the whole thing. He talked about heaven and how grand it was, a street of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl and just how beautiful that place is. And at the end, he said, all right, I've got some questions for you, boys. And he said uh, out loud, he said, if I uh, sell my house and give all my money to the church and sell my car and give all my money to the church, do I go to heaven? And they emphatically said, no. He said, well, if I'm good to animals and I, uh, I feed my dog and I take care of my fish, do I go to heaven? And he said, they all said, no. He said, well, if I'm good to my wife and I give candy to little children and and I pay my taxes, am I going to go to heaven? And they all said, no. And he said, well, how do I go to heaven? One little boy raised his hand and said, you got to be dead. (laughs) How many of you know that that's a possibility? The truth of the matter is, death is a possibility, but the rapture is a certainty. My friends, let me explain something to you. Heaven is a place where there won't be some things. There'll be no more temple, no more sea, no more tears, no more sickness, no more pain. Come on, you are Baptist. You could say amen somewhere. I mean, no more sin, no more sorrow. Listen, hey, listen, I just want to say this because this is the generation we live in. If someone has abused your body and done things wrong to you, guess what? I got some good news for you. You get a new body in heaven. And all those wrongs will be made right. Come on, say amen. My friend, I'm trying to tell you something. Heaven's a wonderful place and we get to go there. The world doesn't care about that. But unto us, it's our eternal home. Someone wrote this song. I'd like to show you, read the words to you. They said, some call it heaven, but I call it home. Some call it dreaming, but so let me dream on. Some call it paradise somewhere beyond the sky.
Some call it heaven, but I call it home. I pastored for 14 and a half years. I had the privilege of, of pastoring some interesting people. <laughs> and uh, one guy came to my church. His name was Mr. Bishop. I enjoyed pastoring Mr. Brother Bishop. He had gotten saved young, in younger years. He was an older man. He got saved in younger years and then uh, and gotten baptized. He, and uh, all of that had been settled. But he got out of church for a long, long time. He started coming to church, he'd sit in the back, and, and I tried to, you know, kid with him, and preachers know who their visitors are. You may not know them by name, but they know if they're there. And, and so I, I knew who he was and everything, and I stood in the back, and he would go by, and I'd chat with him a little bit. One day he walked by, and I tried to, you know, establish a little rapport with him. I tried to kid with people a lot. And uh, he said to me, he said, Brother Green, he said, I like you. I said, well, good, I like me too. I said, can you tell my wife that somebody likes me? <laughs> we just kid around a little bit. That's funny to me. You don't have to laugh. But it's funny to me. And uh, don't, don't smart off now. And so, <laughs> and so I, I, and we, we just established a rapport. And I just loved old Brother Bishop. He'd sit in the back. One day he said, Brother Green, I want to join your church. I said, praise God, join the church. He came forward. I made sure, of course, he was saved and baptized, got all that squared away, and he joined the church. He kept sitting in the back. One day he came to me and said, Brother Green, you know why I sit in the back? I said, no, why do you sit in the back? He said, because I can't read. And he said, I'm afraid you're going to call me to read, and I just can't read. I said, listen, Brother Bishop, I'll never call on you to read. I'm just glad you're here. And so uh, he went on, and he started getting sick, and he started frequenting the hospital. And I knew usually when that happens that things aren't moving in the right direction. And so he had some kidney problems, some other things. And I, and I remember going to him, and I, I would see him, and... He was a rascal. I knew he'd be wearing them nurses out. I knew he was wearing them out because when he'd come in, I'd come in to visit him. He'd say, hey, so-and-so, this is my preacher. And you could see their face like, this guy goes to church? <laughs> and so he'd introduce me, you know, and I'd say, now listen, you know, don't base our church on him. You know, we'd kid around a little bit, but I wasn't kidding. But anyway, I was. <laughs> and so we, we had a good time. But old Brother Bishop one day came in. I went in to see him. He was sitting in a chair. His legs were all swollen. His kidneys were failing. And preacher, here's what he said. He said, Brother Green, he said, I want to go home. I said, well, they'll probably let you go home in a day or two. He said, no, Brother Green, you don't understand. And he pointed up to the sky. And he said, I want to go home. Listen, my dear friend, there is nothing on this earth worth you missing heaven over. Nothing. Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into eternal life with one eye than for you to go to hell with both eyes. Come on. He said the same thing about your hand. He wasn't preaching and teaching bodily mutilation. What he was saying is don't let anything stop you from getting saved. Friends, for us, heaven is precious. I have somebody there. I have people there. My wife and I, we lost a baby in Pennsylvania. I've never met the baby. Don't know what the color of the hair of the baby is. Don't know what the baby was as far as uh, gender. But I'll see that baby someday. What a place. Paul said, but unto us. I mean, you can go on. Your family to this world is a joke, but unto you it's precious. It's precious. Fight for it. Stay faithful. Tonight I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to give it over to the preacher, but I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Shall we bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment? Father, let, let your will be done tonight.